It is so good to be back in the friendly confines of Drew Lane's basement, otherwise known as the Red Shovel Network headquarters, the episode, the uh, epicenter of quality broadcasting with uh, <laughs> my friend and co-pilot, God, and Mark Fellhauer. Yeah. Who sometimes can't, can't confuses the two. Now can't that his, can't top him or her. His Wolverines, are they, they, them. Uh, now that his Wolverines are in the sweet 16. For the fifth straight time. <sighs> and the men's team is in the sweet 16 as well. So congratulations on both of them. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forget about the women. Does and that make me a bad person? And then the wrestling team finished second in the NCAA's right in downtown Detroit at LCA. So this is a good time and to be a Wolverine. No, hockey. It's never, it's never a good time to be a, a Wolverine. And right. hockey won the Big Ten Championship, number one overall seed. Very uh, nice. Uh, Very nice. A number, gymnast it, was a championship. Uh, there's a champion there, too. Uh, okay. Uh, you want me to keep going? Um, and you guys have more lawsuits against professors than any other university in the Big Ten. So that's pretty Oh, in the too. Big Ten. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. no, I think... Huh. I think uh, Leaders and best. What do you want me to do? Well, that's good. That's good. It's it's a, it's a that's the shot you want to take. That's fine. You're not well, and me, then you're not getting me off my Michigan sports high. Well, and so until next Tuesday, <laughs> most most people are 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 brushing over this story, but I'm I'm not afraid to tell the truth. And I don't know how everybody's dressed this up the way they have, but after Michigan beat Tennessee to make the Sweet 16, Juwan Howard began wrestling a Tennessee volunteer player. He wrapped <laughs> his tears. arms around him. Yes, and forced this young man, who was already feeling very badly, to burst into tears. Now, there was a lot made out of it when he took a swing at a coach, an adult, for uh, Wisconsin. But when he tries to smother a child, everybody says, oh, what a great guy. In fact, Sean Windsor wrote some column about it. And I, to me, it's it's an outrage. Isn't that the great thing about sports? It's an outrage. You can be outraged, and then something like that happens the next day or the next week. Sports just changes on a dime. It's great. So my advice to all athletes and athletic department employees is if you're going to go through a, a handshake line and make contact with Juwan Howard, try and make sure you do it after the Wolverines have won, because otherwise you may get... Oh, yeah, sure. You may get You may get. Mm-hmm. You sure. may, you may get beat. What's going on? So uh, we have a great show today, and I uh, not just because Sean Windsor isn't here, but because Rob Parker will be joining us in a little bit to talk about his column about what many people believe is the greatest coach in Michigan basketball history. Greg Campy would disagree. He said he, he's the winningest coach, I think, in Michigan. But there's a guy named Tom Izzo who is known as Mr. March, but March isn't over. And his season is. So So Rob Parker has been talking about that in Deadspin, and he will be joining us later on this show. I like Rob. Rob's always been that. a very nice man to me. 
Good guy. Well, well and I, he, he's like a lot of the nasty columnists in Detroit, the Drew Sharps, uh, sometimes Carlos Menares, where they have this public persona of being a villain, but in person, they're actually- Sweethearts. Oh, very, Drew Sharp is the, nice people. the sweetest man. Yeah. I like Rob because when I read him or hear him, it's, I don't. I honestly don't know which way he's going to go on certain topics. When we work together at 105.1, too. Sure. It's a good sign of a you know broadcaster or columnist when you don't know what they're going to say. Right. And and frankly, I, I thought there was a comment he made that, that led to his uh, departure from the Detroit News when he asked Rod Marinelli about having his son-in-law yeah. as, a, yeah. as a coach. And and he, he, he basically said, don't you wish he was a better coach? And I think Marinelli said, no, I think he's fine. And then he said, well, don't you wish you're... Or no, I think he asked him whether... The fact that it was his son-in-law had any any uh, was a factor in him keeping him as a coach when that particular. Well, actually, not I think it was how I think it was how it was asked because wasn't it? Didn't you wish your daughter married a better coach? Well, right, right. As I recall, That's he said to him, you know, it, you know, your your son-in-law is not doing very well, or his unit isn't doing very well. You know, does is he sticking around in part because he's married to your daughter? And Marinelli said, no, not at all. And then. Parker flipped and said, "Well, then, don't you wish your yeah. daughter had married a better coach?" Which but, I thought you know was what? I got to tell you though, game. But that, that kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. Nobody would ask that question now because Rob lost his job over it, right? And, and maybe maybe there was a little bit of you know needling and poking the bear when he said it and kind of being you know smart ass. But oh boy, man, did that get eyeballs to the paper? That was the thing. That was the big takeaway from any Rod Marinelli press conference is that question. Well, and there's a lot of us who have wondered that. We're wondering that for a long time. I mean, whenever you hire yeah, family, nepotism. they're going to be scrutinized. And when they don't perform, I mean, I, I keep waiting for somebody to ask Harbaugh about his kid, but no yeah, one ever Jay. does. Uh, what do you mean? Special teams coach of the year? Yeah. Well, what about all those other years when his unit wasn't doing very much? By but, the way, I think um, Marinelli wins, though, because Joe Barry, isn't he's the defensive coordinator uh, for a team now. I want to see Green Bay. So, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know, but that's one of those reasons why when you're thinking of hiring a relative, if they're really that good, maybe you give them a referral to somebody else, but uh, whatever. But if you don't, that's fine. You got to stand there and you got to take the heat because it's a fair question. But anyways, Rob's going to talk about Izzo uh, when he comes on, um, the a foreknown Mr. March who uh, probably was wishes cute. he was Mr. April, right? That was cute, that whole January, February Izzo thing. Huh? January January was great. February was disaster. Oh, I mean, I mean the saying in the t-shirts was cute. Oh, well, it's almost as cute as those sports. Almost as cute as those shoelaces shirts for uh, Denard Robinson Denard until rules, he got man. knocked out of his Good shoelaces. Nice. So, fine gentlemen, um, and uh, and we are we are also going to talk a little bit about getting caught up on the Whitmer kidnapping trial, which is getting weird. One of the one of the things that came out in testimony is that the kidnap plotters um, discussed tying the governor to a kite and letting her float away. Huh? And we also found out who who uh, the uh, the FBI informant was who took the stand. He's known as Big Dan. So we're going to talk a little bit about Big Dan and some of the things that he heard and some of the things that he said that are going to play a crucial role in how this case plays out in Grand Rapids, where it is unwinding, unfolding as we speak. And before we get to Rob, we're also going to be joined by Eli McNown from East Lansing. He's talking about how you can support student journalism. This is obviously a very important topic because we need to help get the next generation of uh, truth tellers all fired up. And it also is especially uh, important to me because I'm a state news alumni, but also 
I should be returning there at some point to help out with some of the investigative reporting efforts that those kids are doing. So, so we're going to try and keep the paper strong in the meantime, and then I'll see what I can do to ruin it. But, but more on that <laughs> in a few minutes. But before we get to that, we want to tell you about the people who make this show possible. And first and foremost, that's David Hall and Hall Financial, who are still getting some good deals out there as those interest rates start to crank up. Yeah, Thanks, Fed. I think they're going a lot slower uh, than people people thought, um, mainly because it's already been baked in. But if you're looking to refinance or buy a house, the one thing you want to do is call Hall First. You can go to callhallfirst.com. That's the website. Or you can call them at 866-CALL-HALL, and you can chat with a mortgage expert right now. They're super fast, and uh, it's the best service ever that you're going to get with a mortgage. I mean, ML, you know, how many do you have through All Financial? Yeah, we did two deals with them, and it was great. It was seamless. It was fast. And they they can be very creative when they're trying to solve whatever hiccups come up because we all know there's always something that you don't anticipate. And they still close these deals really fast, which is impressive. Yeah, and right now um, they're going to cover the cost of an appraisal, saving you up to $750. Also, if you want to get a cash-out refinance, they'll help you with that. You can get thousands to pay off debt or even – Fix up that new house since prices are going up. So give them a call. Call HallFirst.com or 866-CALL-HALL for Hall Financial. And when you call them, tell them David. ML sent you. And, of course, you can find a link to their website on our website, which is MLSoulOfDetroit.com. Another sponsor who we really appreciate his efforts on behalf of the Red Shovel Network and the work he'll put in to help you retire in style is Mr. Luke Nowacki. Oh, good guy. Yeah, overreaction. That's not the strategy you want no. if you're going to invest for a long time. Don't even look at the market. Just talk to Luke, put your money in there, and let it work its magic. It's Luke Nowacki, Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Rational financial advice, stocks, bonds, the age group you're in. What do you do with all that? Get advice. Get a strategy. Once again, Luke Nowacki at Pinnacle Wealth, 248-663-4748. Because when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRASIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Good man. And we appreciate it when you let our sponsors know that uh, you found out about them from our show and we support our sponsors when we can, which is why we're at the Cadu Cafe last Thursday. I was there in person along with Kalina and a, a range of fantastic guests, including Carl from Altus. Mm. And uh, we had Chef Bobby on. Usually I see him on Fox 2, but he was on stage with us talking about his uh, Irish stew recipe and some other things. We had been trying to do this for two years, and Mark is always like, I don't want to do remotes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. R- remotes are a pain in the ass. I was like, no, no, we got this figured out. We did a walkthrough. We had our technology. We set everything up. And even then we were an hour late because it turned out there was a, there was a kink somewhere in the line that took Ooh. us a while to work out. And I, I, so, had a, I had a scheduling conflict. One of those being that Michigan was playing Colorado State at the same time. So. Oh, yeah, no, you, you had a good alibi. But this whole notion of remotes, I was like, no, remotes are fun. We'll go out there. Oh, it's like, ah, I, I, the logistics I, of those things can be a real headache. Don't get me wrong. I like doing them. I just know they're a, they can be a headache. They are a handful. Even Joe was moved to say, damn. So when <laughs> we, Joe was moved to say a word. Yeah, he got worked up. He got pretty worked up about it, but but he he kept a steady hand on the rudder. How was it? I was the Kadju on St. Well, Kadju is great. I yeah. mean, it, it's a great setup. We're on the stage where they have all the live music and when they do karaoke and quiz nights and stuff like that. So everything was great. 
It was a packed house for a Belgian bar that did pretty good for St. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Day. We had a lot of listeners come out, so that was really good to see everybody. Uh, Kalina was terrific. She took over the show for a little while. Really? And yeah, and was she prepared for that? Oh yeah, she's she's uh, she's an old hand, man. She's okay. been a broadcast pro and a journalism rock star since she was in high school. So now that she's no longer our name, image, and likeness sponsored athlete because she's left the rowing team, she's moved into into communications, and I think she's she's doing pretty well, Good. indeed. So. So we got Rob Parker coming up in about ten minutes. So I want to I want to run through this this Whitmer kidnapping trial. Yeah, please quick catch me up, man. There's been some crazy stuff going on. So so first of all, we finally found out who Big Dan was. Big Dan was, uh, or who the informant was. This is a guy who joined the, uh, or he, he says he he joined um, the Wolverine Watchmen, and uh, because he's a Second Amendment supporter, and he was concerned about gun rights. He's a combat veteran. Uh, postal worker, and he got involved in this group during uh, the time of the, the pandemic and was like, yeah, what are we going to do about this? And all of a sudden he says, or so he testified, that a lot of these other members are talking about, well, we're going we're gonna to kill some cops and we're going to do all this other stuff. And that's when he started yeah. saying, good luck with all that. Um, but not exactly. He told a friend of his who was a police officer, that, hey, I'm not really digging what I'm hearing. And so this officer, I think, or somehow he was connected with the FBI who said, hey, are you cool with hanging in there and basically being our eyes and ears? Can I ask you a question about that? So he's an informant. He's not, he's not law enforcement, right? Do we know what he does for a living? Do the, what kind of training do you get to be an FBI informant, if any? Yeah, I, I don't think you go to boot camp because there wasn't a lot of time to get him coached up. But there are some rules that they go over with him. And one of the defense's big questions is whether he violated those rules. Because if you are undercover or if you are an informant, you're not supposed to be um, conspiring, basically. You, you, ha- you, can, you can be there, but you have to be more passive when people are talking about what they're going to do. And one of the things that Big Dan got grilled on while he was on the stand is when they were talking about, we're going to storm the governor's house and blow everything up and shoot everybody. He was trying to chill him out. Or so he says by saying stuff like, well, why don't we just shoot through the window? And the defense is saying, well, wait a minute. Now you're helping them plan something. You're suggesting something that violates your role. And you're, it raises questions about whether you were, playing both sides, whether you were an informant, whether you were a conspirator. Well, what's he supposed to say, though? Well, that's the trick. Um, in in these cases, if you are undercover or you are in one of those roles where you're aiding the government, there are extreme circumstances where you can participate in things a little bit, but it should just be stuff like, and and I'm I'm out of my depth here, but let's just say I think an example would probably be like we're gonna drive and get somebody like okay I'll drive the car not not like oh I think that road's blocked let's go around the other way and if that doesn't work we'll get a pontoon boat we'll go okay. you know yeah. it's you know you're really there's a problem with not you know not being a trained you know uh, law enforcement or having any kind of you just hey here's your guidelines go sure well the other thing is these informants they get paid yeah and so there's a question of are you in this to make money or are you in there to keep people safe? And he was paid $24,000. Now he said he had to sell his house and move away because he was concerned about the safety of his family. 
But this whole notion of what is your role? So let's say you're an informant and you're on a conspiracy plot and they're, they're clearly clowns. You know, do you go back to your handlers and say, these guys are a joke, you know, you don't, you don't need to pay me. These, they're not going to do anything. Or do you say, hmm, this is, a pretty, this is a pretty rich gig. I should make sure that yeah. this doesn't dry up. Now, we're going to find out in the course of the trial which this was, but you're getting a sense from the defense that what they're trying to say is Big Dan wasn't in this to protect people and property. He was in this for the money. And one of the things that this case is really going to hinge on is what's the line between free speech and being a terrorist, being a domestic terrorist, because it's okay to talk about some crazy shit. Sure. The question is, are you just talking or are you are really you plotting? plotting? Right. Yeah. And talking and plotting are different. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people have been focused on Adam, mean, Adam Fox sure. as the ringleader. I mean, he's been described as the ringleader. And he's That's the, the guy one. you talked to, right? Is that the guy? I you, talked to yeah. his family. His family, members. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I have not had a chance to speak to him. But he's kind of the guy who, in some of the videos and in some of the audio that's come out, has been really aggressive. And so you think of him as kind of the, the scariest dude in the bunch. But of the, of the six who were charged federally, two of them are cooperating now and four of them are on trial testimony is really making it sound like there's this guy named Brian Caserta or excuse me, Brandon Caserta who may have been a lot scared. This guy was talking about things like bombing vaccine plants, killing doctors and killing lawyers who supported vaccine mandates, uh, volunteering to become a contact tracer, which is where, you know, the state and the country never really got contract tracing contact. down contact tracing. But yeah, but that's where, in other countries, what they've done is they found out, okay, you were here, somebody was sick, so now we got to figure out who you may have gotten in touch with and notify them they may have been exposed. I mean, it's a fairly elaborate thing. But the idea was you, you kind of control the spread of it by letting everybody know who may have been exposed if they either need to quarantine or isolate or get treated. According to, to testimony, and, and they've, they've played some audio of different things, he wanted to pose as a contact tracer, figure out who they are, and then target them and then kill them because seems, he considered seems contact kind of extreme. Yeah, he considered he considered contact tracing constitutional trampling and he wanted to put a chill on anybody who might volunteer to be a contact tracer because if you do it and all of a sudden these guys start dying, it's sort of, uh oh, you know, maybe I don't want to do this. And it's getting really, really deep with this testimony. And my wife, Teresa Balds at the Free Press, is doing a great job covering this. You can find all that coverage at freep.com. But some of the other testimony that's come out has been this, this kind of right-wing wacky stuff that you hear all the time that he says that Whitmer wasn't really responsible for all this, that she was being controlled by the Zionist, by Zionist bankers. Okay, well, to that point, that makes me see, and, and just looking at them, I feel like they're just a bunch of clowns. How how harmful are could could they really pull this off? Now you don't even want to you don't even want to go down that because if there's a one hundredth percent or one one hundredth percent of a chance of doing it, you want to err on the side of safety. But these guys couldn't have pulled this off. Is that is that a defense? No, but well, I, it means so that the, the two there seem to be two prongs of the defense. One is it's entrapment that they weren't going to do this, but the, the government and their, uh, and their supporters, the, the infiltrators, if you will, 
basically encouraged them that these were a bunch of goofballs that when these guys said, Oh yeah, yeah, you should do this kind of became serious about it. Yeah. But I don't, I don't buy that. But then they built, they built a little shack where they were practicing their, uh, their, um, what would you call it? Incursion techniques, how they would raid the governor's house. And this guy, Barry Croft, who was one of the plotters, he's the guy from Delaware. Uh, they played some audio where his 10 year old daughter asks him, daddy, do you want a Dorito? And he says to her, honey, I'm making explosives. Can you get away from me, please? Oh my God. Oh. And, and they did make explosives. Now, they weren't particularly effective at blowing stuff up. That just but, shows what a joke he is, though. Well, and that's the defense. You know, They're trying to say, hey, listen. Well, I saw is, the marijuana defense. Yeah, marijuana they're just a bunch defense. of high ons. Yeah. Right. And Which, that's, that's kind of where the tying them to a kite came up with. That's where, where the feds say, well, they weren't really serious about a kite, but they were serious about everything else. And the defense says... They weren't serious about a kite. They weren't serious about anything else because they were all baked all the time. So it's it's kind of it's 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 going on. It's going to go on That's for a few a more weeks. Pretty weak defense, though, man. Well, well, we'll try and keep in the loop because it's fascinating. And some of this stuff is uh, it really, you know, while there's while there's a question as to how serious these folks were, I think one of the the biggest question the biggest question that's going to be answered out of this is what is your jeopardy for saying crazy stuff? Can it get you put in prison? And no. And well, if you're just saying crazy stuff, well, like, I mean, and, and there are limitations to free speech. We all know yeah. that. You know, shouting fire in a crowded theater is the one example. Time, place, manner. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 a tricky one. I just don't think. I don't think they were going to pull it off. But you can't. Be, you can't be plotting. You can't go scope out the residents. You can't be making bombs. Well, that's, I mean, that's the conspiracy. That's the key here is, you know, you can say anything, but did these guys do enough to really be a threat? And we'll never know whether they would have carried it out, but, but we are going to find out whether saying something and doing something, where is that balance tipped between being a goofball who likes to play army man and being a legitimate domestic terrorist threat? This case is going to help resolve there, at least help us figure out just how far you can go before you end up facing up to life in prison. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to keep you up to date on that with the show um, until that's concluded. But before we are joined by Rob, we got to get to Eli because Eli is trying yes. to raise some money for the state news. Eli is the sports editor, so I'm sure he's as disappointed as I am that March Madness has turned into March Sadness again. But uh, what's going on, Eli? How's much? How are you doing, ML? We're doing great. What's now? What do you, I understand? There is another competition between college newspapers to raise some money. I, I, I think you're probably up against the Michigan Daily. How, how's uh, how's the state news doing? Well, right now, I believe the last time I looked, I believe we were in third or fourth. I believe we were in the top four. Um, we're trying to raise some money in the Daily Oranges, uh, College Media Madness, where we're competing against up to about forty uh, student media outlets. Michigan Daily is one of them. Uh, my main point here is that the state news is now 15, 16 straight losses against the Michigan Daily in the touch football game. So I've made oh. a point in, to make sure that we're not going to lose this one because we have a lot of supporters behind us. We have not only the, our great alumni and all the people who, who love and support us and read us, but we also have a great uh, Spartan Nation. So we really are just asking that you help us. Go out, get out, beat the Michigan Daily once again, and uh, help us raise some money. They'll go back into the pockets of some great student journalists here doing some amazing work. Jared Ramsey and Sean Ryder were just down in Greenville, South Carolina for the first couple of games. It's some amazing work down there. And 
We have my sports desk and our campus desk. We're doing in our city, our culture, our photo, just an amazing group of people here doing some great work as ML knows as an alumni. So really just trying to get out, raise some money for student journalism. And uh, number one priority for me is beating the Michigan daily. So, so, so you can't beat them on the gridiron. So you're going to try and beat them at the cash register. That's, that's the idea. Okay. Um, you know, obviously uh, I got one more year to beat the Michigan daily. So we got a lot of preparation to do before we get there in October around Halloween time. But uh, we want to beat them in this one for sure. Cause we know we got them here. Yeah. I, I got to check my eligibility there. Cause I, I was a, a pretty mean uh, co-ed uh, touch football quarterback in the Chicago sport and social league 20 years ago. They're still <laughs> still reliving that glory. They're still talking about some of that. We, we got deep into playoffs and it was uh you know, I'm not saying there's a statue outside Soldier Field, but you may want to check just to be <laughs> sure. So how do people give? What's the what's the what's the magic website? Yeah, so we have a link up uh, on our website, statenews.com slash donate. You can go to our website, type it in uh, your search box, whatever uh, Internet provider you like to use. Um, so anywhere there. We also I believe on the College Media Madness website, they have an area for us. where you can go on their website, and find our thing and donate to us. Um, those are kind of the best ways to go about doing it. So it's just statenews.com backslash, not the state news. It's just statenews.com backslash yep. donate. Yep. Okay. So, exactly right. so I gave 50 bucks and I'm unemployed. So I'm thinking there's a few people out there who care about Spartan athletics and who support journalism, who might be able to put a few bucks in there. So, so Eli, let us, we'll put a link to, to your website on our website and, uh, and hopefully what's the deadline on this? When do people need to get in? I believe our, I don't remember the exact last day, but I believe April 1st is around when it's going to start wrapping up right after March Madness kind of concludes here. So, okay. So don't sleep on this folks. If you can support student journalism at statenews.com backslash donate, we got to beat the Michigan daily and uh, we got to raise some money so that, so that these guys can, um, I don't know, get some steroids. I mean, that's what George Perlis did when I was there, <laughs> right? Is that the plan? Hey. We just we just need any help we can get right now. Michigan Daily, we got to take them down. We want to finish first in this too. We got some guys. Believe the Daily Pennsylvania is upwards of ten grand. I believe we're around three right now in third or fourth place. So we got we got some catching up to do. Yeah, Daily Pennsylvania. That's the Ivy League, man. Come on, we gotta we gotta beat those cake eaters. So support Eli and the team at the State News. StateNews.com backslash donate. We'll let you know how they're doing. Eli, thanks for making the time. Yes, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Eli. What a terrible song. Daily Pennsylvanian. Hearing this awful song? It just sounds like angels. Oh, God. Rob is here. Actually. Gross. Gross. I think our... our uh, our new theme song for the Spartans is going to be Taps. <laughs> that should be. That's one of the reasons we got Rob Parker here, because he has... A wonderful article. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that he's written Tom Izzo's eulogy, but he's basically said, you know, Tom Izzo, March Madness, march on. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a column that people are talking about. We've heard a, a lot this year about how um, is Izzo turning into D'Antonio. But Rob, as you as you may know, has been around Detroit for a long time. First black sports columnist at the Free Press starting in 1993. He's now hosting a show on Fox Sports Radio, The Odd Couple with Chris Broussard. It's on from 7 to 10 Eastern Standard Time. And he's a columnist at Deadspin when he's not teaching kids about journalism at USC. 
And, you know, that would keep him too busy to pick on old men, but I guess that's not the case. He's, he's taking Tom to the woodshed. Rob, you know, what, what's, what's wrong with, with, with Tom Terrific? Uh, Tom Terrific is uh, maybe outdated, has turned to goo, and, and ML and Mark, thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, I mean, if you want to live in the past and, and glorify Tom Izzo and Michigan State, go ahead. But the facts say it's been 22 years since he won a championship. Uh, the last time Tom Izzo won a championship, sports writers used typewriters. So it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not saying that that Juwan Howard is now the greatest coach in Michigan. You're not saying that the tide has shifted from East Lanes to Ann Arbor, are you? Not at all. Okay. I'm just saying I'm, this is just a critique of Izzo and his program. I have a problem because I think we, we throw around that everybody's great. Tom Izzo is among the other 33 coaches in college basketball who have all won one championship. And, and I just believe anybody can win one. The stars align. Kevin Ollie was at UConn yeah. long enough to have a cup of coffee and a sweet roll, and he won a championship. You know, Steve Fisher won a championship yeah. at Michigan. So if you want to put Izzo in that class, I think he needs to win again. And now the gap is so long. And here's the other thing. They've been knocked out. They haven't, they haven't gotten past the second round in five of the last six years. That's a, that's a good enough of a trend or a pattern to look at things to see where the program's headed. That's all. Well, I'll tell you who also thinks Izzo needs to win a second championship. Izzo. I was at an alumni event that they held at the Breslin Student Events Center and in the Spartan locker room, they have this nice tile thing on the floor, and it's got the Spartan logo in the middle. And there's a there's a bronze disc in there that says 1979. There's another one that says 2000, and there's another one that says the next one. So he feels that burden of having to do it twice. Now, some of us think Cassius's second trip to the the big tourney would have been it. But COVID interrupted. He was the kind of guy who could carry a team like that. So that may have been his second one, but, but you're right. That still would have been almost 20 years between championships and, you know, the Krzyzewskis of the world, they go every few years. So even though it's been a while for him. And, and here, here's one of my biggest criticisms of Tom. I think Tom started reading his own press clippings and, and failed to get involved with the one and dones, even coach K got involved with the one and dones. The coaches who didn't, they turned into Fred Flintstone. They, they went by the wayside. Bobby Knight. Remember, Isaiah Thomas played there for one year. They won a national championship. Then those coaches started to rebel against that. They wanted guys who were going to play there for three or four years to the program. Those aren't the guys that win you a championship. And I think Izzo came late to the party thinking he can do it with the Drew Neitzels and got people like that. And it just didn't happen. Whenever he got into a big game, he had maybe a second round pick in the NBA draft or, you know, a borderline NBA player. And North Carolina had four or five NBA players, you know, on their team. You remember that championship uh, game in 2009. I went to go get a hot dog and a, and a soda and the game was over, you know? <laughs> oh, it was over during the anthem. But, <laughs> but, but that... You know, North Carolina also had kids who weren't going to class. I mean, North Carolina's got all kinds of problems that Izzo hasn't had. I mean, he's had some other problems, but 
He's run a mostly clean say, program. Don't, don't exonerate Michigan State and Izzo totally. There have been some stuff going on up there that uh, he seemed to sidestep and and not be involved in. But man, that's some bad stuff that's happened at Michigan State. Yeah, the the Payne Appling thing has always always bothered me. But um, but you know the, the thing is when you look at the teams that Izzo does well with, it is with the the guys who stick around. It is with Cassius Winston. It is with Xavier Tillman. When he had Miles Bridges and Jackson, who were one year and gone, they didn't do nothing. In fact, he didn't seem to know what to do with those guys. Yeah, I, I get it. I just think if you want to be an elite coach, and, I, and I'm not saying you got to be John Wooden and win 10 championships in 12 years. I think uh, I wrote a column before this about uh, John Calipari. Uh, I, I, I called him can't coach Cal yeah. because he's, had, he's got 25 players in the NBA and Kentucky, you know, in his career, I should say, he's won one championship. I, I just think that that's a waste of talent. And I think if you really want to be considered elite, you need to win more than one. And, and that's really it. Because after that, when you win more than one or you win two or three and it's with different kids, then we could say it, it, you have something to do with it. I'm, I'm still not convinced that if Mateen Cleese and Morris Peterson didn't uh, stay for their senior year, Tom Izzo might not have any. And here's the last point. You know, Judd Heathcote was was at Michigan State before Izzo. Nobody considers Judd a, a great coach. He won one championship because Greg Kelser and Magic Johnson happened to stumble through East Lansing. You know, so winning one championship to me doesn't make you great. Yeah, but Judd was a great dresser. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, I had some couches in the 70s with clothes <laughs> material like that. Rob, who is who's an elite coach still in the NCAA? Because I, I thought of Jim Beheim, but he's kind of in that Izzo group. He only has one championship. He's Jim Beheim is the absolute worst. Are you one championship in 50 Thank years? You. And he's been terrible I, I lately. Mean, I mean, terrible. And if again, if Carmelo Anthony didn't show up, he wouldn't have any. And you know how many great players have gone through Syracuse? So he's another one. I Coach Cal, Jim Beheim, those guys, they're in that class, man. I, I don't understand how you can have that many players and, and not be able to win. So I'm with you on Beheim. Well, what about what about John Beeline? I mean, he took two teams to the finals, didn't win either one of them, but he also made a living off of got finding these guys who are going to stick around a little while. No, I get that. But ultimately, you still need the horses to win. I always say sports has a short menu. It's wins and losses. That's all that's on the menu. So getting close, I'm not big on that. Do you want to be on the porch of the Playboy Mansion or do you want to be in? I think I want to be in. I don't know. It depends if if Hef has his bathrobe open, in which case uh, (laughs) I'm happy to be across the street with uh, welding goggles on because I don't need to see that. But, no, I, hey, I, I do understand that. I did go to the movies once with uh, Hef. What? And uh, yep, I went to the movies with Hef once, and we were going through. We we buy our tickets, and the woman says, "Hold on to your stub." And I, I just, he just grabbed <laughs> it and we walked in. Oh man! So how was how was Frozen? Because <laughs> I think with that Botox. <laughs> His face was frozen. So, Come on, so, Mark. Don't make me feel that good. It was all right. Thank that's you, good. Mark. I like it. I didn't expect it. <laughs> well, 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 I am. Uh, last thing I'm going to say is I'm going to do stand-up here in L.A. What? Matter of fact, 
David Allen Greer, who, of course, is a Detroiter and sure. actor. Big time, we become friendly. He's going to bring me on stage and I'm going to do a routine uh, on, on stage. I've been hey, writing Rob, jokes. You have I've no doing fear. It, doing it on the radio show, uh, The Odd Couple, and also on the local L.A. station here. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to jump into a little stand up. Well, we'll have to make sure Tom Izzo gets a front row seat for that because <laughs> payback is a bitch. No doubt. Hey, so, I, I, I welcome it. You know, I welcome it. It's all right. We, it's all good. I, everybody can push back. But, um, you know, I'm doing what I do, which is I have an opinion. I back it up with the facts and, and that what I have. People will agree. People will disagree. And it's all good at the end of the day. So, Rob, before I let you go, you're, you're pretty clear on this notion of Izzo is not one of the all-time greats. But can he still, can he rally? Can he be Mr. March again? Or is are we going to get more of what we've seen the last couple of years? It, it just seems like it's so far removed. If he wins another championship, maybe somebody comes along and it happens. I, I just don't see it happen. I'll be surprised if he wins again. So that's it. Tom Izzo, RIP. Damn. <laughs> yes. well, I hope that's not one of your jokes because that shit ain't funny over here. <laughs> although although Fellhauer's laughing harder than he did at the stub joke. I, I, I think he's. Hey, I, hey I, I, I need Mark in the crowd. I need you right up front, Mark. Right up front. Hey, plug the uh, barbershop before you go, too. I can't believe that's it's right. 20 Matter years. Fact, in Detroit, a Detroit. Uh, tradition, sporty cuts on West Seven Mile Road between Outer Drive and Myers. This October, celebrating our 20th anniversary. Just think about that. A business 20 years strong. My partner, Tico Edwards, and I have uh, run this barbershop, and it's a great place for the community. We're going to have a big party and celebration. 20 years is an awful long time. And you know what? Larry Brown once showed up in the barbershop. <laughs> And hung out, and so did Steve Mariucci. This is back in 2004 or five or something like that. Uh, so it's a great place, man. Some of my barbers have been with me the whole time. And probably the best thing uh, in the shop history is that our cable never got cut off and our electric <laughs> never got cut off. 20 years. First, incredible. That's great. That, that's not where Drew Neitzel got his haircut, was it? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, because that, that looked more like a polished job. He looks like he was at Chuck's Barbershop from those uh, those uh, commercials. And uh, and Steve Mariucci, that guy looks like he's in love with his hair. He probably didn't let you touch it. <laughs> no, you couldn't touch his hair. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, no punch him in the face, but don't touch the hair. <laughs> Hey, Rob, thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to your next stuff on uh, on ESPN Radio, on Deadspin, and uh, Fox, Fox, Fox Sports Radio. Oh, Fox yeah. Sports Radio. Did I say, oh, How man. dare you? Sorry. I, I, used to, I used to work there for eight years, so yeah. it's all good. Something no crazy problem. happened I remember there, huh? that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, a, a little something else. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Another injustice. But Izzo had no fingerprints on that one. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rob. Good talking to you, Rob. Miss you, man. All right, guys. Yep, take it easy. Peace. What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? Ah, fighting with a vim. You know, Rob is a great guy and he is kind of the master of the hot take, but. Uh, that's a very hot take. You know, when when you you know, and my my friends are are very into the they're very concerned about Izzo D'Antonio. D'Antonio near the end seemed seemed confused well, and upset. Izzo still has the fire, and and 
you can't discount those Cassius Winston years. Those were great teams. You can't defeat time. Well, he's a great coach, but I, you know, what is he, 67 now? I mean, that's. How old was Wooden when he retired? I mean, how old is different, Coach different, K, 75? Era, though. And I'm, I think, I'm just saying it's, you know, that you only have a short period of time. And Rob's right. It's wins and losses and championships. And right now it's, you know, it's Jay Wright and then every other coach. Oh, you think so? Oh, Jay Wright? Yeah. He's yeah. two champions. Look how strong. And he's doing it at Villanova. And he may be doing it against uh, Michigan. They, they're playing Michigan next, right? Yeah. And and Jay, I don't think Jay's had many one and dones. It's, I, I don't think enough people talk about what a great coach he is. Yeah. And that being said, I hope he gets destroyed on Thursday. Well, we're going to test. Won't, but I hope he does. We're going to test your Jay Wright theory uh, very soon. But but first I want to tell you about, uh, and, and these geeks, they don't have a name. They're kind of the slide rule types, which you might find uh, in Ann Arbor. You've no doubt heard of the hey, Leaning Tower Pizza. Well, they got a great engineering school. Uh, but these kids definitely would not have made the dean's list. There's the Leaning Tower Pisa, which was built, I don't know, almost like a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You don't have to go to Italy to find something like that. You just have to go to San Francisco where engineers have uh, built something. Oh. Not necessarily to be proud of. It's called the Millennium Tower. Yes. It was built around 2009. In the 13 years since it was built, it has sunk 18 inches and it has started to lean. Now the engineers say that it's moving apart from a building next door. So now it's not just going down and going over. It's kind of coming apart from the building next door. Well, they say, don't worry about it. We can fix that. But they also said when they started to fix the sinking that they could fix it. And then it sunk some more. So now, does anyone live in there? I mean, I were, 60 Minutes did a big piece on it. And the thing I remembered is these guys that lived at the top and you put a marble on the floor and it just goes zoom down to the other side of their apartment. It's a 26 inch. That's a lean. lot. Yeah. And, and so it's, does anyone still live there? So I don't know if, uh, if they still have the hot shots, but for a while, this was like the place to go athletes, you know, these, uh, these tech, uh, gurus and everything. This was the destination but now this thing is leaning so much, if it leans much more, the engineers, and again, the engineers have been wrong about everything so far, but they said if it leans much more, the elevators and the plumbing oh, yeah, and the mechanicals not are not going to work anymore. Because, you know, these things, they do need 90-degree angles. They do need to yeah, go imagine that. up and down. You know, I think that's the first thing they give you in uh, in engineering school is one of those squares where, you a know, T-square? <laughs> you got to plumb it up and then you're good to go. But, uh, but yeah, so anyway, um, guys who are going to fix the Millennium Tower, Just tear um, it down. we'll believe it when we see it. So no architecture award, but you are our Geeks of the Week. See you again. There's an all-night party in room 7609. So coming out of St. Patrick's Day, I thought I might be able to sneak an Irish New Wave band in there. And uh, there is a band called Auto De Fe. And then I listened to some of it. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to get killed. 
I'm not. Nobody that even, bad. Even the hardcore uh, Room Seven Six Zero Nine fans are going to are going to sacrifice me on the altar of really really bad music. What are some other Irish new wave bands? Is Dexys is is that uh, uh, a is that new wave and are they Irish? I don't think they're Irish. There may be an Irish guy in there somewhere, but uh, I would consider them new wave. Although they kind of feel you know poppy to me more than uh, they're from Birmingham, so no, yeah. they're English. Well, there's a fiddle player, so you never know. There's a lot of Irish it's all over. It was, it's all I was basing it on, yeah. Well, there's there's a million Irish in London, I think, so or at least in England. So there's a there's a lot of a lot of Irish in in England. So it's it's sometimes the genealogy gets a little muddled around. But one of the big new wave fan, uh, bands. I don't think we've ever played on this show before, and there's very few of them that we haven't played on this show before. Is the Flock of Seagulls, and listener Tim is a huge fan. But he says their keyboard-driven radio hits overshadowed the virtuosity of guitar player Paul Reynolds and bassist Frank Maudsley. Well, we're going to test his theory with this cut from Flock of Seagulls called Modern Love is Automatic. I'm not the biggest Flock of Seagulls fan. I, I like Wishing uh, a lot. I think that doesn't get the same appreciation as um, 
as the big hit. I was gonna say I didn't even know they had more than one song. Oh, they had they had a couple. I just don't know. I don't know them. But but really, you think of everything with the flock of seagulls as Mike score with the keytar and the hair. Well, I don't know if it was a keytar. It, it just I never saw a guy hold a note longer than him. Where he's got that finger down on the keyboard and he's dancing and all that other stuff. But when I listen to this cut, I say these guys got chops. They can play. It's not, it's not bad. Yeah, I joke, but it's not that. It's a good song. It's good. It's got you know. It's good. I mean, it is ironic that he's bald now, pretty much. Mike Score. Oh, yeah. I was just looking at a photo of him. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Uh, why can't it get Fabio though? <laughs> There's no justice. So that's uh, that is Flock of Seagulls. We love it when you pick uh, an underappreciated tune from a band that we think we know so well, or if you introduce us to a new band that people just missed, well, this is their second chance. They can be a guest here in Room 7609, where we try and celebrate new wave music because new wave will never die, even though some people would like to kill it. Like our friend Sean Windsor, who, if he could, he would, <laughs> he would drive a steak through its heart. Um, and then he would cook that steak. Yeah. But not well done because, you know. He must be so pumped because he was very excited about um, going to, was it Greenville? Is that where Michigan State was playing? Well, he was he was making the he was making the hustle right from the Michigan game to the Michigan State game, and but he but he was planning on staying down in South Carolina. Because, oh, you know Michigan State was more likely, I guess, to win that first game, and he was very excited about getting barbecue down there. Now he's on his way to San Antonio, so he can get more barbecue. Yeah, and can somebody explain that bracket to me? If Michigan State had won, they'd go from South Carolina to San Francisco. Yeah, it's the pods. Yeah, I, they changed that up a, maybe a decade ago. It's better for the first rounds. It really is. But yeah, then you get to, you know, you got to place teams in the West and a lot of teams aren't in the West. Well, and that's that's tough for a fan who has to decide on the spur of the moment. Yeah, I'd like to go see the guys, but then, you know, it's one thing to drive 12, 14 hours. It's another thing to have to drive or buy a last minute plane ticket to San Francisco. Yeah. And how is it that Michigan State has a higher seed, but Michigan plays in Indy and doesn't have to face Duke? I mean, well, they had to face a better team in Tennessee. Well, they were a three seed, so don't tell the tournament committee that. But, well, I, there was a lot of grousing about that, that Tennessee was a three and Duke was a two and that it should have been flipped. I'm fine with that. So, I, you know, I was going to say, I, I'm not going to complain about the way the tournament went. I never thought they had a shot against Tennessee. I think Tennessee is just that good. And it boils down to the fact that, hey, Tennessee can't make a three pointer today for whatever reason. I mean, that was the game. Michigan played really, really well. But they turned the ball over a lot, as people thought they would, against Tennessee. And Tennessee just didn't make shots. Well, you know, this is a Michigan team that was supposed to be a top-10 team at the beginning of the season. There's a lot of talent on that team. And I always think it's foolish when you rank a team highly when it has a lot of graduations and if they have a new quarterback, if you want to look at it from the football perspective. But this team, whether people saw it, and and I mean, I think they were probably just pulling out of their ass, but... But the talent on this team, when it comes together, I mean, I saw what they did to the Spartans in Ann Arbor a couple weeks ago, and they look like they're on a roll. And um, they may even be good enough to beat the Wolverines women's team, which is also marching through the tournament. I know if you want to know more about how they're doing, check out Drew Lane on uh, the Drew and Mike podcast. (laughs) Uh, I think he's running a contest where a lucky listener will get to fly to Portland to watch that game between the Wolverines and whoever the Wolverines uh, is playing. Hey, Nas Hillman had their 50th uh, career double-double. 
There you go. See, know. that's the only. Where else are you going to get only these thing kind I of know updates? about the women's team? So besides that, they won. So they're doing they're doing great. So uh, we uh, we want to thank those of you who support the show uh, this week. A special thanks goes out to Bryant, who uh, ironically says he's glad Sean is back in the studio and feeling better. Um, this is Sean for you, man. You know, you pay the guy a compliment and he and he takes a powder on you. So he's. <laughs> He's somewhere gallivanting around the United States, following men in shorts. So uh, again, yeah. so that's that's cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we hope to have him back in. What? Well, yeah, I I don't know when we're going to have him back. We may have him back uh, through Zoom, but he's going to be if Michigan keeps moving, he's going to be running around. And uh, Michigan plays. Yeah, but they. If, I mean, Villanova. Uh, yeah, maybe he'll be back next Tuesday. I think he will be. Even if they win both games, he'd be back next Tuesday. Really? Well, the national semifinals not till Saturday, as opposed to another Thursday. You know, uh, lately the Spartans have kind of forgotten how tight that schedule can get because yeah. we our uh, our schedules open up a lot after the first weekend, unfortunately. But if Cash is Winston, sad. man, very sad. they cheated yeah. Cash. They cheated Cash. Yeah, darn COVID. So, so we certainly appreciate Bryant's support. Anyone who'd like to support us, Mark, where, where do they where do they do that? It's, ML, it's pretty easy, I'm told. Yeah, ML That's the website. Little donate button. Take you to your PayPal. You hit that PayPal. Did you, button. did you figure out the show's Venmo yet? I tried to do it, and Venmo was giving me a hard time adding a business account. So I'm, oh. I'm going to continue working on that. But in the meantime. We need you a know. young person like Eli to do it. Oh, and we have an intern coming this summer. Okay, perfect which job I'm for him. I'm really looking forward to him. He's a pretty interesting cat, so you guys will get to know him. And yes, this will be one of the many, many chores that we have for him. And I also think what we're going to do is to our longtime supporters, and there is a there is a a small but loyal cadre of people who have been underwriting this show uh, as their means allow them that we're going to have our intern reach out to you guys to see if we can do a little something to show our appreciation. So, That'd be uh, great. So stick around, which also means it's time if you want to get on that bus. There's a couple seats in the back <laughs> and in the middle and pretty close to the front. So, uh, you know, just uh, throw a few bones our way, and, and you'll be hearing from our man Patrick soon enough. Uh, you're also welcome to sponsor the show. Let us know. Let us know what you want to sell or promote. We're at mlsolvedetroit at gmail.com. And now it's time for our mailbag. Oh, I also, I also what? forgot what? to what? tell you about, uh, about the Cadu Cafe. Um, this, this music bed reminds me, this was written by Max Prokop, who is uh, in a lot of bands, but he's also the bass player for the Smiths United. And they will be playing this Saturday, March 26th, at the Cadu Cafe. Every Monday, open blues jam at the Cadu Cafe. It's also muscle madness. Muscle is a food. It's not like you're going to see guys all oiled up. Like well, Kelvin might, Sampson. Did you ever see Kelvin Sampson? Yeah, with his shirt off. Wow. Um, I wish I looked that good when I'm was that. If i when I'm that old, if I make it that old. Looks better, he looks better than I do now. He's pretty leathery. Pretty Well, Sean would say you look fantastic now. Uh, Tuesdays <laughs> is funk night at the Cadu Cafe. Wednesdays is karaoke, and there's live music Sundays through Thursdays. Uh, excuse me. Thursday through Sunday, this Saturday, it's the Smiths United. Find out more at caducafe.com. That's C-A-D-I-E-U-X-C-A-F-E.com. And when you hear Buzz Me Cool, that means it's time for the mail. Paul says, Sean is wrong! Ooh. While yelling, you suck at a professional athlete is, is wrong. Professional athlete is even more wrong 
to stop the game match and eventually address the crowd through tears about heckling. Now, Paul is referring to our discussion last week about Naomi Osaka, who heard one person yell, you suck, and stop the match and ask for the mic to address this heckler. We had a very spirited debate about that, which you can find uh, at mlsoldetroit.com or wherever you find your podcast. Check out our last episode. Paul says, as a kid, I was taught that one way to get a bully to stop bullying is to ignore them. If they don't get your attention reaction, they will be more likely to stop. Well, plus, why waste your energy on that? Well, and if Prove them wrong. If you're Naomi Osaka, you're pretty good. Prove them wrong. Show them you don't suck. Sure, and if somebody gets you that way, then everybody else who wants to get you, like, ah, that's what yeah. I do. And, and I think, you know, we, we had three different viewpoints on this, but I think there was kind of a consensus that that's not nice, but if you're a professional... Uh, maybe Sean wouldn't agreed with this, but, but but I think if you're a professional, you got to tune that out. Yeah. And frankly, if you're in the zone, are you really hearing any of that? Well, the new one is Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's he's becoming old, uh, rabbit ears to some criticism and snapping back at people. Well, if Reggie everyone, Miller had listened, laughing at him now. If Reggie Miller had listened to Spike well, Lee, perfect example. He wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He wouldn't be doing broadcasts, and he wouldn't be living at a Wendy's. So, you know, you got to dial him out. Um, Paul says, seems like a kindergarten lesson Osaka may have missed because she was being homeschooled and playing tennis instead of learning to interact with her peers. Oh, Paul. That's uh, so, so mean. But it's reading into it. But, but, but so, so right. <laughs> Eric writes, what happened to the guy who drove the truck and did the what happened on this day? He was funny. Well, that guy? Yours sincerely, Sterling Heights resident who goes down to Detroit and pees on buildings. Just trying to be funny. Yeah, don't. Is that an alias of uh, Matt? Don't do that, Eric. Uh, love the podcast, even though I don't agree with him on many political type issues. Stop being mean to Sean. He makes a nice balance. So Sean catches a flight and then dominates the show. There's no escape, the vortex of Windsor. But no, I don't think Eric is Matt Jennings. Matt Jennings, of course. Uh, for for a long time, did our uh, this day in uh, in history? Uh, he was with us at the Cadu Cafe and rolled out some jokes. Um, that's what he said they were. <laughs> but he was. Warm- he, did, he take, did he take the stage? He was. He was on the stage. He was warmly welcomed by the crowd, and it was great to see Matt. And um, we're gonna we're gonna see if we can find some time to work Ease on some of that in. history. Yeah, okay. just um, uh, you know, he's wh- a sweetheart of a man. Well, his his thing is, he says, you know, uh, these jokes bombed like Putin on the Ukraine. You're like, okay, you're under suspension again. You know, we, we gotta we gotta have <laughs> Was some. Was that really one of his jokes? No, but that would have been oh, one okay. of the better ones. So <laughs> I'm, we're working on it. He's workshopping the timing. Stuff. But yeah, but so um, too another day, soon. Another day, another another place. But. Uh, but uh, it's, it's it's under consideration. So um, want to just uh, let you know that you can catch Sean's work at Freep.com. Uh, tongue-in-cheek was kidding about um, Juwan Howard. He actually, it was a very moving scene where he embraced a distraught Tennessee Volunteers player. Sean wrote about that. That's funny. You know, what's, weird, what's funny about that, too, is 
people don't know the background between him and that player too. I think a lot of people just assumed it was a grind player that he. Oh, I don't know that. I just I heard his son almost committed to Tennessee, so maybe he knows some guys there. But I don't know. You know how there's AAU or the Nike elites, and there's all these weird. They he played with um, Juwan's son on one of the teams. Mm. So he knows him. There's a history there. Okay, so if he didn't know him, he might have punched him. Is that what you're saying? Because that's that, that's not how I see well, it. Well, I mean, if he was grabbing one of his players like that Wisconsin assistant was. If he touched his elbow, it's time to go. That's go time with JW. That's not why. No, no. Well, I, I thought I thought it was really nice it for Joan yeah. Howard that people got to see that side of him because obviously. I mean, he probably would have done it if the camera wasn't there, but it's nice that the camera was there. Sure, sure. He didn't have to. Let's not, let's not be wrong about that. He didn't have to issue a hug statement the next exactly. day. So that's, that, so that was cool. So we got to see that for ourselves. So, um, so yeah, so this is usually where we ask Sean what he's up to, and then he says nothing and then talks for 10 minutes. Uh, Mark, what are you up to? Uh, nothing. But I do want to talk about No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm, on, I'm on to the usual, you know? Okay. Just trying to hold this fort down. What, what's coming up this week with the Drew and Mike podcast? I have no idea. No, uh, um, uh, Wayne Kramer's coming up this oh, week. Oh, yeah. MC5. They have a big show coming up this week. Yeah, starting a I, tour, right? I wish I had the info in front of me, but I don't. That's okay. I'll just have to listen to the Drew and Mike show to find out. Yeah, well, there, that's a nice, there's a nice tease. And this is we, we're kind of used to Sean carrying us at this part of the show. Uh, his bladder is empty, you know, his adrenaline is up. It's kind of, kind of missed kind of miss the fella so so we hope sean will be back next week we hope you'll be back next week in the meantime as you know the drew and mike podcast is right here on the red shovel network as is charlie duff's no bs news hour and until next week it's time for cyrus to take us out can you dig that can you dig it can you dig it i know who all of you are they're looking for you you're 40 miles behind the enemy lines I just want to go home. I took a lot of people away. Where's John, Mr. Bellhauer? One of us loves somebody, Andy. I'm gonna die before it happens. They're gonna kill us! Stop us! So why should we be different? Because we live here! A bunch of podcasters, huh? Mama'd be real proud. Soul of Detroit!